Chucking It from the Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chucking It from the Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. Chucking It from the Cheap Seats is brought to you by Shootaway, offering products like 12K series guns, proven time and again by the nation's top schools and college coaches programs. For special pricing and discounts, contact Bruce Help at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. Our next guest on the Chucking It From The Cheap Seats podcast is already regarded as one of the state's best young coaches. He has been an assistant coach at Avon and Ben Davis, and four seasons ago, he took over the Greenfield Central program. In his first four seasons, their win total has gone from 12 wins to a 21-2 and record this season. Welcome to the podcast this week, Coach Luke Meredith of the Greenfield Central Cougars. Okay, so today on the Checking It with, uh, from the Cheap Seats podcast, uh, we are joined by the head coach at Greenfield Central, Luke Meredith. And, uh, Coach, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast with us today. You know, w- when I think of you, I don't think of you as one of the best young coaches in the state. I think of you now you've kind of set the table as you're one of the best coaches in the state. Thank you so much for taking time to be on with me and the kids today. Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. So, Coach, this is your fourth year here at um, – uh, Greenfield Central, and, you know, you win 21 games this last season. You end up losing to Anderson. But how do you go from a situation where um, the last winning season uh, at Greenfield Central, before you got there, you would have to go all the way back, I think, to 2015, 2016, when Michael Lewis was the coach there, and they went through a really dry run, and you go from not winning – not having a winning season to now you win 21 games in your fourth year. How do you do that? Uh, we just had to rebuild the culture. And I know that's one of those words that's kind of thrown a lot around a lot within the coach, coaching community. But um, let's be honest, you know, 14 of the last 15 seasons before our arrival, and I say our, it's been a, uh, a group effort with our staff, with Coach Bolden and Coach Mullins and Coach Johnson and Coach Loudenberg that have been with me all four years that I've been here. But um, you know, Greenfield Central kind of was given a bad name, you know, graveyard of coaching and all of these things. But uh, we had a collective group of young men um, that played a lot of minutes early and that we were able to reap the benefits this year. You know, we had not won a game in a conference game in two years before we got this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were four and 20. And then, as you mentioned, this year we're, you know, we won 18 in a row, which is a school record. And we won 21 games, which is a school record. Didn't end the way we wanted going against a, a really tough um, and formidable foe in Anderson, but uh, we were just able to rebuild this culture. Uh, we got this, you know, kind of, I'm a slogan guy, I'm a motto guy, I'm a culture guy, but build, believe, belong, you mm-hmm. know, building it and then going through, you know, like I said, we were 4-20, and 20, and then my first year we were 12-12. 12 and 12. Mm-hmm. 2021 we were 14-10. and 10. 2022 mm-hmm. we were 15-8. and 8. And then this year we knew we had a chance to be pretty good. We didn't know where it was going to go, led by, you know, Dylan Moles and Tyler Kirkhoff and Owen Anderson and Will D. Jarnett and some of our seniors that played a lot of minutes. But then we had newcomers like Braylon Mullins, who's a sophomore, really talented player. Uh, That kind of brought us all together. But 
Um, this year with our culture, they believed, they battled, and they did any and everything that we asked them to do, and that culture was built four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach, you, you hit on a couple things there that I think are, are very key. Number one, with your culture, you talked about assistant coaches. Uh, coach Johnson is a guy that I know. I know at one time he was the head coach there at Greenfield, and uh, after he got out of coaching, he stuck around there. Just talk about how important it is for you to have those assistant coaches that do all the little things that many times go unseen by people in the community, but people that do what we do know how important they are. Absolutely. You know, that's the blind spot. You know, for me, I'm not a defensive guy. I'm an offensive coach. And so to have a guy like Coach Johnson that has been a head coach at a variety of different places, Mm -hmm. even more rare to be at the place that you currently are the head coach and Mm -hmm. having his son be on the JV team, uh, that's a blind spot for me because he's really good at the defensive side and we called him you know we kind of had it set up like a football program um, mm-hmm. I have a defensive coordinator and that's coach Johnson and we run his three two zone yeah I have a special teams coordinator which is Josh Mullins uh, once again a blind spot I'm a no-name basketball player but Josh Mullins around these parts is a, is a very special player played at IPY got to play in the NCAA tournament and played with John Hamilton the last really good team that was here with coach Hamilton and the last 1998 sectional championship team um, and then also we had Coach Bolden, who played at IU South Bend, and he is still the record holder for all-time assists. So those guys, we get along really well. Uh, We all have different pieces that we have as strengths. We all have pieces as weaknesses. And then when we put those strengths together, it covers up a lot of my weaknesses, and they make me look really good. (laughs) It's always good to have those assistant coaches around you that make you look good. The other thing that that you touched on, um, and and I tell people this all the time, I want to be surrounded with – with guys that, number one, care about the, the culture and the program. And I've got that, and I'm very blessed with that here at Bar Eve. But I want people that are smarter than me in different areas. And you talked about that. I don't, I don't think you can ever be too hesitant uh, to have, bring guys on board like that that are going to challenge the way that you think about uh, different things, whether that be uh, playing a lot of zone like Coach Johnson likes to play. Um, but it's just so important to surround your guys by guys you trust and guys that – that can really make you think. No, absolutely. And, and those guys are like family. You know, we'll go to Applebee, Applebee's after the game. We would hang out out of the season. So mm-hmm. we trust each other. We love each other. And then, you know, I know that I can trust them with our own players um, and I can give them some things and I don't have to worry. Hey, we have a station. I want you to do anything defense. Your world. Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, halftime. Hey, coach, you're an idiot. Do this. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So no ego here amongst, you know, them trying to take my spot or me feeling like, they're going to do something that, um, you know, would badmouth me or our program or our school. So we have a really good culture here, and that's something I'm very thankful for. That's really good. Something else that, that I really like about the way you guys are doing things and, and building your program and building the culture there at Greenfield is you've got this mantra called bring the juice, and, and I, I really like that. Where did that come from, Coach? I'm a, I'm a college football fan. I love Notre Dame. Okay. And somehow I got into this T.J. Fleck kick. And uh-huh. so he talks about if you're juiceless, you're useless. If you're juiceful, you're useful. And so I kind of turned that when I was the varsity assistant under Jeff Holloway at Avon. And I used to say bring the juice all the time, even before it became popular. You know, the Colts use it and a lot of, uh, you know, it's become more and more popular. But I brought that to Greenfield Central. and talked about three things as a program pillar. Juice, compete, standard. And I can get into compete and standard here in a little bit. But juice has become synonymous with our program just because 
Um, when I first got the job, we had them on the back of our shooting shirts, and everybody would say, what in the heck is juice? <laughs> and so we just talked about playing with energy and effort in everything that you do, um, in the classroom, uh, working hard in the mornings, doing what you're supposed to do, getting your shots up at practice and games. So, um, you know, it's simple. I say it, but it can't just be a slogan on a T-shirt. We even have little juice box um, that we pass out, little high seeds before the games into the crowd. We had uh, someone that was a cheerleading parent of ours that would create a giant juice box, and we had a, a kiddo. It was kind of like our mascot. We'd have a cougar, and then we had a kid that would dress up in a juice box. So, uh, we <laughs> That's called, cool. Uh, our, yeah, we even called the gym the juice box. So it's just been something that's kind of like us. You know, we may not be the biggest, the strongest, and the fastest when we're going against the, the better athletes of a Mount Vernon or a New Pal, mm -hmm. uh, but we're certainly going to bring the effort and bring the juice and the intensity. No, that's really cool. And, and you know, I, I think you have to build around things like that whenever you take over a program that, like you said, uh, the year before you got there, they'd only won four games. And, you know, you, you talked about Greenfield Central, you know, who, who wants that job? And what was it, Coach, that really, really stood out uh, about taking that job? Was it just the fact that this could be my first job and I've been an assistant at Ben Davis, I've been an assistant uh, at Avon, and now it's my time to go into a, a first job, or was there something else that really attracted you to it? Well, you know, the hardest job to get is your first job. And mm -hmm. so I had interviewed and applied several places. To be quite honest with you, I thought I was going to get the Avon job the first time around when Jeff Holloway got it, and then he and I became really close friends. Mm -hmm. uh, but that kind of put that chip on my shoulder, like, hey, I want to do this. And once again, it's, it's that cliche thing, too, everybody talks about, you know, just moving over one more seat. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot more that goes into it, a lot more pressures and a lot more things um, that go with it, good and bad. But Avon is just a – it kind of fit us and fit our family. I have a sixth grader and a fourth grader. Um, so I wanted a place, quite honestly, that they could grow up. I wanted a place where it would be a great community and great schools and a place where I thought maybe they could play. I don't know that my boys um, could play at a Ben Davis. I don't mm -hmm. know that my boys could necessarily play at an Avon, and I'm not trying to sell them short, but um, I do think that they could certainly grow up and play potentially here for us at Greenfield Central. So mm -hmm. it's a great community, great schools, um, and I figured, you know, why not take a chance on yourself and bet on yourself and just see what happens at a place uh, like Greenfield Central. Absolutely. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, and shooting camps can improve performance for you. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 Basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest individual basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 Basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts. D1 Basketball Camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 Team Camps have hosted more high school sectional championship teams, Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp shootout or summer tournament. D1 Team Camps provide the best chance for a school coach to work with all their teams in its top-tier competition from the South Coach, you talked about having a really good core group of seniors that you kind of built this thing with over the last four years. Talk about those guys just a little bit more in detail because I know those guys were a pretty special group for you. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about they won 62 wins. So uh, we are 62 and 32 the last four years. So if you go back through on the record books, uh, that is the winningest four-year class in the history of the school. Oh, wow. Uh, best back-to-back -back years winning 15 and 21 in the history of the school. 18 mm -hmm. wins in a row. History numbers, 21 mm -hmm. and 2, 
school record. So this is just a special group of collective young men um, that were led by our captains this year, Tyler Kirkhoff and Dylan Moles. But Dylan Moles specifically is one of those guys that really changed the trajectory of our program uh, because he's a catalyst. You know, he met me here this morning at 715. He's getting a full-ride scholarship to play at Marion University. Mm -hmm. He's a gym rat. And so him being a gym rat was infectious on others. When I can say, hey, our best player is here, where were you at? Mm -hmm. So that became really easy for me to get on some of the other guys. And then an Owen Anderson, a Will DeJarnett, a Nathan Gasparini, and Ian Jack all started coming along. And then it's, once again, it's easy for me to say, hey, Braylon Mullins, come get in the gym. Jay Kenton, come get in the gym. And those other guys started to get in and do more than what was required. And then you could see us reap the benefits. Yeah, I always tell people that you have a chance to be really special when your best player is your hardest worker, whether it's putting time in or showing up early to get shots up. When that guy's your hardest worker, you're going to be pretty good. Yes. Last night I coached a sixth-grade group that's going to play in the spring league at PAC, Mm -hmm. and my Jeep was out front. I get a text from Dylan Moles at 7.30 p.m. that said, you're in the gym, three question marks. Yes, he came in and shot on the gun uh-huh. on the other side while I'm coaching. And I pointed to those sixth graders and I said, who is the best player in this school? They said, Dylan Moles. I said, why? And they're like, I don't know. And I pointed right there. This is why. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy and it's great for them to see that instead of just saying he's good, he's good, he's good. No, no, this is why he's good. Mm. No, that was really special and very teachable moment. Which um, we're going to take you back in time a little bit here. Um, we're, we're not going to talk Greenfield Central basketball for a little bit. We're going to go back to your high school days. Um, you were a 2001 graduate of Beach Grove. Uh, talk a little bit about your, your high school experience and how you came to love the game. I came to love the game because of one guy, and that was Chuck Bennett. He's the current head coach at Speedway. And I didn't play much. I wasn't much five foot nothing, hundred nothing at Beach Grove High School graduating in 01. Um, but the connection and the type of man that I had going up through the ranks uh, with Chuck Bennett is, and I would love to do that someday. I'd love to be a coach. Mm-hmm. And so then after I graduated in 01, I had a buddy, Jagger Rent, who's now one of the principals at a Hamilton Southeastern Middle School. And he started playing on the women's scout team. And while we were at Ball State, um, I started to recognize he was playing on the Northern Arena, the main gym, and, hey, I want to do that. So mm-hmm. you go through the tryouts and that, and what really made me want to be a coach was being there, making that scout team, if you will, mm-hmm. and then them being, hey, you're Kent State this week. They run flex. They do this. You do this. So the film aspect, practicing every day and being involved in that, mm-hmm. once again, made me feel like this is what I want to do with my life. I already wanted to be a teacher. I know I love basketball, and so now this is something that I want to do. And so then after I graduated from Beach Grove, going to Avon and having Jason Young and Ryan Osborne and Tommy Maples and those guys and those big names, if you will, um, just, man, I feel like I knew a lot about basketball, but I realized I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was really good for me to go up the ranks with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like you talked about, I think sometimes, and this is this is definitely me, and I don't pretend to be the world's best coach, but... I, I was an okay average high school player, you know, and, and was fortunate enough to play a little bit of Division three basketball. But, man, like I really had to work. And I think when you aren't the most talented guy, it really makes you look at the game from a different perspective. And I think it helps you as a coach, and it especially helps you coach guys that, that are not the world's greatest athletes and, and how to get a lot out of guys that, that are not your, you know, top-of-the-line Indiana All-Star 
McDonald's All-American guys, and and that's what you're dealing with there at Green, Greenfield Central. You're you're in a four A sectional. You're in a four A conference, and you don't necessarily always have the best athletes that those other teams have, and and that they can put on the floor. And so that's where you you come up with the bring the juice mantra, and I I absolutely love that. And that kind of piggybacks off of you know the next two things that we have with our program pillar is you know compete and standards. So mm-hmm. that compete is play hard, and then the standard is all the time. You know, it's easy, like we talk about, to play and get up for a game against your biggest rival, New Palestine, the first Friday in December. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you play to that level of standard and with that juice, play hard all the time with that chip on your shoulder being, like you mentioned, like we exactly are, you know, undersized, sometimes outmanned, um, out-athleted. And so for us, it's, hey, you have a biology test at 245 and you have practice at 345, can you still play hard on that Tuesday? And that's the standard. The standard is the standard, and you got to do it all the time. So that type of kid is really what we have at Greenfield, and that's how we've had some success because uh, we've been able to outwork and play with juice and get kids to do that all the time, and it's not easy, but that's something that we harp on every single day in practice. That's awesome. Coach, also, um, as a as a head coach, and, and you've got a family and you've got two young boys there at home, uh, talk a little bit about your wife, Jessica. How did you guys meet? So she graduated from Southport, and I graduated from Beach Grove, so both Southsiders. Mm-hmm. And she took a job out of IUPUI working at Menards, and I had a buddy that I was living with that worked at Menards, and so that's how we met through a mutual friend. And she's been great through this whole process. Uh, that's all that she ever knows because when we got together, I was the JV head coach at Ben Davis High School fresh out of college, and so – um, she knows that from November to March, and then here we go with spring workouts, and then we have the busy season of June. Um, she's just been great, and she's front row, falling in love with the game, just like my boys have. And so we do everything together as a family, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, you know, I, I tell people that all the time, young coaches, they ask, you know, hey, give us some advice about this, that. And I'm like, listen, if you want to be successful and, and you want to do this for a while, you better have a spouse that is just as committed to the program and to the game that you are because I, I frankly think that's one of the biggest reasons why you see such turnover uh, anymore. There are a lot of reasons, but that's one of the biggest reasons. And, and so to have a wife that's as on board as yours is, I know that's incredibly special. And it's also special, and, and I see this right now with, with my two boys, one in high school and one in third grade, is just having them to be around and, and being in the gym. Um, it, it's truly something that I I know I appreciate each and every day that I get the opportunity to do it. Like you talked about, you're coaching your son's sixth grade team. I have people tell me all the time, they're like, Coach, you're crazy for coaching third grade basketball at the same time you're coaching varsity basketball. But it's just, isn't, it, isn't it great just to have your kids around and, and be a part of it? and love the same things and have the same interests and be able to talk about the game. And as they've grown up, you know, that's all that my boys have ever known. And so now I have a sixth grader and he's talking to me about that turnover Dylan had, or that shot he had was really good. Or what about this play? Like it's just seeing them grow in the transformation and them loving the game. And, you know, one day them wanting to play Greenfield central or wanting to play high school basketball. It's just, that's really ultimately when you have kids and you have boys, that's, that's what dreams are made of. That's what you want, family atmosphere, being in the locker room, being on the bus rides. It's just that's really ultimately what it's all about. Yeah. Now, this is usually a question that I ask later, but I, I just feel like it's appropriate to ask now. You know, bringing the juice at home, 
you know, and being a good dad, being a good husband, what is your least favorite job around the house that Jessica makes you do? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, every Sunday I have to take out the trash. So somehow my boys were supposed to take out their own trash, but ultimately it's me everywhere, bathroom, upstairs, downstairs, their room. So taking out the trash is my least favorite activity. Yeah, isn't that funny how um, a lot of times those those chores that are delegated to the boys – Somehow dad ends up having to supervise it, and it just sometimes becomes easier just to do it yourself. Well, Coach, you know, you, you touched on this earlier. Um, you know, after, ben, or after Ball State, then you become uh, a teacher and a coach. Your first job was at Ben Davis, is that correct? Yes, sir. And then you became the JV coach there. Uh, what was that, what was that uh, like being at Ben Davis? It was another eye-opening experience. Once again, I didn't know what I didn't know. I was a freshman head coach, and then ultimately I was the JV head coach. And with that group, um, I coached under Curtis Wright, who's now the superintendent at Richmond. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just being around those kids, it was a different culture. I was not much older than them, mm -hmm. uh, fresh out of college, but I still keep in contact with those kids. That's another thing we talk about, you know, the transformational versus transactional uh, relationship that you have with these young men. And we look back and be like, man, that was 16, 17 years ago, but um, Facebook friends are texting them, and I even had John Fox, who now does some social media stuff and some video work. He came in and did a video for our own kids here at Greenfield Central, which is just really cool looking back on, like, your first group. You always kind of – I'm always going to remember the first group that I had when I was the head coach at Greenfield. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to remember that group that I had at Ben Davis. And then I'm going to remember those kids that I got really close with at Avon. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was just a really great experience, and I'm blessed to have that experience and, and to be able to figure it out. I knew that I would not have been ready um, to do much else than be a freshman coach or, or be, you know, around because, I once again, I didn't know. You thought, hey, I know what it takes, and you really don't. And mm -hmm. so being able to go through and learn from other coaches like Jeff Holloway, Jason Young, um, Jace, uh, Curtis Wright, and having those men and just being able to be around and listen to them and see their views on basketball and then the relationships with that kids is something that, that I'm really thankful for. Absolutely. Now, after your, your time there at Ben Davis, then you go to Avon. And, um, you know, you talked about how you, you know, tried to get the Avon job um, when Coach Holloway got it. And maybe there were some other jobs along the way that you were disappointed that you didn't get. But what was the thing when you finally got that Greenfield Central job that four years ago surprised you the most or maybe was the biggest challenge when you became the head coach? Man, I guess I just I didn't realize everything that went into the entire program. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you're, you're, as soon as you get there, your first 90 days, uh, you're talking about spring workouts, traveling all the way from Avon to Greenfield trying to set up your June schedule, where you're playing, who you're playing, your workouts, your strength and conditioning, um, trying to help and figure out, you know, for the five remaining games that you have on your schedule and when those fit and how those fit, um, trying to figure out and work with the football coach on when they're going in the summer and, mm -hmm. and trying to then also create this excitement within the community and, and having a parent meeting and trying to get the kids to be excited about wanting to be in the gym when it's in the off season. Mm -hmm. And so I really feel like I'm just – I was overwhelmed but I really liked it because I had this such a, a, a pride about myself where I wanted to prove myself to where, you know, I have the names of all the schools that, that told me no and uh, you're not good enough. And that's one of that. You just got to outwork them. And so I have written on my mirror every morning when I wake up and brush my teeth, it's outwork everyone mm -hmm. uh, with a hashtag chip. 
So I do, you know, at the time I didn't know why and I couldn't understand it. Um, but now I definitely feel like it made me a better coach because we ultimately we won the sectional in 2019 when I was a varsity assistant under Jeff Holloway. So that was a really cool experience for me. Um, and the first time that Avon had one sectional in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then ultimately just learning and growing and having that shift and figuring it out. Um, there were a lot of things I didn't know, but there wasn't anything that I wasn't willing to work for because I knew that's what I wanted to do my whole life. Yeah. And I do think if it was given to me earlier, uh, I don't think that I would even be coaching right now. I don't think I'd be as successful, if you want to call it that, as what we are or what we have been just simply because of those disciplines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, and that's another thing I tell young coaches because I do have several young coaches that listen to this podcast and they'll send in questions or they'll see me at clinics. And that's one of the things I tell them is like, hey, if you want to be a head coach, number one, be patient. Don't take a, a job that is going to be a really bad job or put you in a really bad position. And then when you get that job, like, understand you're going to be overwhelmed, like you said, but it's a good way to be overwhelmed, and you you learn so much on the fly. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, and and the thing about it is also you can't be afraid to fail. Like, you you took a job, and I'm not, again, saying that the Greenfield job is a bad job, even though you, you talked about how some people talk about coaching graveyard up there on that side of Indianapolis. Uh, mm-hmm. But my first coaching job was at Springs Valley. And a lot of times you have to be willing to go to a place um, that hasn't had a lot of success and make the best of it. And you've done a tremendous job of that uh, because I've had coaches before tell me this. There's a reason why those jobs are open. Um, so it's just being patient. I think you talked about how you broke it down in the first 90 days, uh, how you wanted to do different things. But it can be tremendously overwhelming. Coach, something else that you, you touched on there. Uh, was strength and conditioning. Uh, I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about your multi-sport athletes because you talked about the football coach. How many of your guys on your roster, um, let's let's say the whole high school program, play at least one other sport besides basketball? Well, I would say out of our 20, probably 15 or 16, mm-hmm. most of them are multi-sport athletes, whether that's football, soccer, some other capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, multi-sport athletes are big here, even at a 4A school like Greenfield. Yeah. And so, um, you know, at, at a Ben Davis, let me ask you that. At a Ben Davis, how many multi-sport athletes are they dealing with? Uh, I'd say just a handful. Just a handful. So that's that's another thing that's a big challenge for you is not only do you not have the same type of athletes as some of these 4A schools up there in the Indianapolis area, but you're also dealing with kids that have to split time. And so h- how do you do that? How do you balance that with the football coach? So that's, once again, that's not always easy, but communication is the key to everything. But, um, you know, for us, he goes in the afternoon, so we go in the morning. And if we do, you know, upper body on Monday with us, then the coach and I have worked it out to where they don't have to do upper body with him so they're not lifting twice and working out those same muscles and and getting hurt and those different types of things. But I do have a good relationship with Coach Nolting. I'm in the weight room with him one block a day. And so those athletes that we do share – um, we've been able to have, once again, communication, good relationship, and working together and, and just being proactive. Um, I will bring down my June schedule to him. Usually it's April around this time and say, hey, this is when we're going. Um, there's not, it's not always perfect. You know, he may go to Manchester for, you know, three, four days, and I get that. Um, I remember the coach at Avon, they used to go down to IU, and I, I get that. And so we would work together, and it is what it is. But I would never want to have that line in the sand that says, hey, 
you know, we don't want you if you can't be here, or we don't want you if you can't be at this camp or go to this, um, because I know that that is incredibly difficult. But Coach Nolting and I and our soccer coach, Coach Holden, we have a good relationship, and I always send them our schedule and try to make it work. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the fact that you have that collegiality with those other coaches and that mutual respect, I think, goes a long way because the last person you want to put in a bad spot is one of the, one of the athletes that you have. And if you can work together, um, that makes a big difference for all your programs. Another thing that you, you had talked about, Coach, you talked about the spring workouts. And I know that's something that you're doing right now because you lost that big group of seniors. Um, what are some of the things that you're really focusing on right now this spring with, with your program? Shooting. I think shooting wins. I think shooting matters. Take a look at the NCAA tournament this year and those teams that shot the ball well and the teams that didn't. Um, so we do what is called a gun club, breakfast club. Uh, we have a doctor dish and a shoot away on each side. And so they'll come in in the mornings with me. And, you know, even if they have four kids on the gun, I still give them all the makes at that particular side. So if they make 700 shots, I do tally it every week. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing a 3,000 make club. And if you make 3,000 shots over the course of the spring workout time from now until May 12th, then you get normally it's a March Madness shirt. Last year was the be all in. This year it's the Greenfield Soul shirt. And so it's a little thing like a Nike Legend t shirt that's 25 bucks on BSN, but it's more about those kids trying to earn that shirt and then getting a picture at the end. So yeah. just trying to get them in the gym, trying to get them to do extra things that they maybe wouldn't do on their own. But I put a ton of emphasis on shooting. Okay. I couldn't agree with you more. I don't, I don't think there's one skill. Uh, that is more important than being able to shoot the basketball because at the end of the day, it's all about who can put the ball in the hoop more than the other team. Yeah. So maybe maybe Coach Johnson wouldn't agree with us there, <laughs> being defensive-minded, but it is right. defi- definitely – He's always asking for more time for defense. <laughs> Coach, you, you touched on this earlier too, uh, rivalries. Um, you know, you talked about how New Palestine is your, your big rival. Who who on your schedule besides New Palestine are, are some of your bigger – bigger games that, that people in your community circle each and every year? Mount Vernon, Eastern Hancock, County Rivals, Newcastle, mm-hmm. uh, County Games. But really, we didn't have a true, like, this is the absolute team that we despise. And I think you got to have that. So mm-hmm. uh, Coach Whitaker may not like it, but I kind of ter- termed them as our main rival. And so as soon as you walk out in our locker room, it's, it's beat New Pal. Uh, we have, what have you done to beat New Pal today? signs out here in our locker room and so that's the game for us and I do think that's something that you always got to have I mean they're right down the street they've had a ton of success they're the reigning sectional champs uh, they are what we want to be and so mm-hmm. that's something that I do think is important to create those rivalries and get get the kids fired up about it but I would say New Pal number one and then Mount Vernon and Eastern along the county and then you know some of our other conference games like Newcastle are always big games for us absolutely Coach, I always get this question um, from a lot of younger coaches and just coaches in general. When you talk about practice scheduling and practice planning, uh, how much of your time do you devote to special situations? Is it maybe five, ten minutes at the end of practice, at the beginning of practice? How do you handle that, that, that part of that aspect of practice planning? I'll be honest, when I was – Starting off as a coach, I used to think that I would be able to just draw something up that I had, need a two, need a three, baseline, side out of bounds, full length court. And then a few times of being burnt at the JV level, which didn't really matter now looking back. Coach Young used to always tell me, I don't care whether you win or lose, just don't go in overtime in JV. And so <laughs> I get that now. But for, for me, being burned there and then being able to go through that and have that experience now, 
I just feel like there's too many things that could go wrong. So we do special situations every walkthrough. Mm -hmm. So obviously you got to do it a few times before you have your first game and, and, you know, around Thanksgiving. But for us, we have our walkthroughs at four o'clock every day Mm -hmm. um, that we have a game, regardless of wherever we are, home or away. Um, If it is something that we have to ride the bus earlier, I'll normally do it on a Thursday. But I will spend five to ten minutes, and I have a specific play call for me to two, under out of bounds, we're going to run Falcon. Need a three, sideline out of bounds, we're going to run Miller. And so the kids will run it. I'll get different subs in different spots um, if they take away this, if they're switching, if they're that. And so that's something that, you know, now it's really easy for me to say, even if I'm going to call timeout, I can draw it up, but everybody knows what we're doing and has run it before because I think that that works so much better with so much more on the line if mm-hmm. you do it that way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, one of our philosophies is if we are up by three, um, with seven seconds or under, we're going to foul. And so we work on that in practice. And I really got that and took that, uh, especially after Butler uh, made their back-to-back runs to the championship game. But the first year when the when the Final Four was in Indianapolis and they had that situation against Michigan State, and uh, Coach Stevens called timeout. But I remember reading the Sports Illustrated article, and every one of the players knew when he called timeout exactly what he was going to go over. But they came to the timeout huddle knowing exactly what he was going to remind them of. And uh, obviously went back and read the article that Coach Finlan um, wrote whenever he was uh, you know, doing that study with the, the analytics department there at DePaul and why you foul um, up three with seven or under seconds. And it's just something that we've adapted to and, and has become a part of what we do. And our kids know that we're going to do it. And I think in that scenario, it's much easier to call it off. I, I know a couple years ago, when I was the head coach at Vincennes, we called it off. And the reason I called it off is because we, we were so outsized. And I just thought we had a better chance to play it out, and it worked out in our favor. But, man, like you said, whether it's the walkthroughs or whether it's a couple times a week in practice that you go over those special situations, I think that's key because, man, go back and, and look. And I've got your John Harrell website pulled up right here. Man, you've won a ton of games over the last four years that were settled by – less than two possessions and I'm sure that probably those special situations played into key moments in all those all those basketball games no we do have a special teams coordinator coach Mullins who you know once again when you are a head coach and you have so much going on how many timeouts you have left who's in foul trouble where's the possession arrow that I can turn to him and say hey you are in charge of a baseline out of bounds play if we need one against zone I got one right now against man if they happen to be in zone and you got to give them two you have that. And so that's something that, once again, having a good staff, having someone that, hey, you're only in charge of that, that's something that helps too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, just to go back with your assistance, you've got a guy that's in, in charge of special situations. You've got a guy that's your, your defensive coordinator. And what are some of the other the other jobs that you've given to your, your staff? Stats and subs. Stats so and sometimes, subs. Sometimes, you know, the subbing, I have to, to be the bad guy and say, absolutely not, or why is this guy sitting out? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, that is just something that is – I really – I don't like having to worry about who's playing what minutes, who's playing where. We haven't been incredibly deep. We played eight guys mm-hmm. uh, most nights this year. But I have a guy that is in charge, Coach Mullins, that does all the subbing for me. Uh, but once again, we've been together four years, so we kind of know what I like, what I don't like, and we work really well together. And so those are the conversations he's got too. Are we going to leave him in in the second quarter? Or are we going to roll with him? But I do have a guy that 100% I trust to do my – my subs because Mm -hmm. I'm all in on the offense. I got Coach Johnson all in on the defense. I got a guy on stats 
And the only really three stats that I that I ask for at halftime are turnovers, rebounds, offensive and defense, and three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. So I've done kills where you try to get three stops in a row. I've done other things, but those are the three stats that I really focus on. And so I have my freshman coach or my JV coach are the ones that do those stats. Mm-hmm. It just kind of works, and that's, that's something that we do. And it may be different, maybe something that not all the teams do. It just works for us. Yeah. No, I think it's incredible. Uh, incredibly good way to break it down. So, Coach, outside of basketball, you know, as coaches in the state of Indiana, we don't have a whole lot of time to do stuff. We, I, I like doing this podcast with our media class, and it's it's kind of a little bit of a hobby of mine. But what, what hobbies do you have and enjoy away from the gym? Well, I spend time with my boys. And they keep me busy, 12 and 10, so whether they are involved in basketball or now they're playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Huge Notre Dame football fan, so last year I had season tickets, so I made my, my trek up two and a half hours to South Bend to go watch my team several times. Uh-huh. And I have a French bulldog named Scotty. I have an MJ and a Scotty, so those are former bulls. <laughs> but uh, I like hanging out with my French bulldog. But I'm uh, really just spending time with my family, being outside, being active. So, Coach, you're a big, big Notre Dame Irish fan. What What is your – most memorable moment uh, with a Notre Dame football game that you've ever been in attendance to watch? Well, I don't know if it's memorable in a good way or a bad way, but we were fortunate enough. We took our family to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl when Notre Dame lost to Clemson. I think it was 2018. Okay. I was still an assistant at Avon, and it just worked out in the schedule that we could get away for a couple of days. But it was awesome. Boys got to swim in the hotel. We went to the game. Uh, it's just something that I'll always remember. I have a picture now that I'm staring at at my desk of all of us being at AT&T Stadium, you know, the Jerry Dome, and being there with my family is something that I'll never forget, even though they lost. Yeah, that's definitely an awesome experience. And like you said, you got to enjoy that with your family. That's really cool. So, Coach, you, yeah. you've been an assistant at some pretty prestigious programs. You've done a great job here at Greenfield Central. You've been fortunate enough to be in some really cool gyms in the state of Indiana. What's your favorite one that you've ever played in or coached in? Well, so when I was at Avon, and I think it was 2019, we were playing Plainfield in the sectional semifinals, and we fouled one of the Gibbs brothers, the twins that are now playing at Grace. Yeah. Great players. Mm-hmm. And so we're down three, and he makes one of these. He's shooting two, the double bonus. He makes one of these. The game's over. There's one point something seconds left. Yeah. This is the first. I'm like, okay, here we go, maybe. Misses the second. We get the rebound. Wendell DeMyers, who's playing at IU South Bend, IU Kokomo, I believe, takes one dribble, heaves it up, banks it in. We end up winning in overtime, and then we end up winning the sectional title. And it's just little plays like that that makes you just the hairs on your, on your arms stand up because um, you just remember, like, you know, all of your thoughts and in the locker room afterwards and everything that went into that group and that season, it was just a, it was a really special, special game and something I'll never forget. You know, I remember seeing that, that clip um, out on social media after that game. And I, I had forgotten that you were a part of that game. That, that was an unbelievable ending. And like you said, then you guys still had to go into overtime and win it in overtime, but tough way to lose for the Quakers, but definitely a good a good win for the Orioles. Um, yes. And I, it was ironic. I felt bad. Obviously, Coach Weaver had not won. He has since won a sectional at Plainfield. Yeah. But Coach Young, who I coached under at Avon, great man. Um, I love him to death. He was on staff at Plainfield, too. So, like, there's so many 
six degrees of separation and how that all came about as well. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Like you said, there's there was a lot of a lot of close ties on both sides. So, Coach, I know you are, are very um, very outgoing on social media, but where do you go or who do you like to follow on social media that you would suggest to other coaches that like, hey, these are some good good people to follow to get good drills, good sets, different things like that. Well, my favorite follow right now is Chris Dorsey. I run a lot of – I mean, I run some Chin, run some Princeton. He mm-hmm. runs a lot of great stuff, and the way he breaks it down, he's phenomenal to Chris Dorsey. Um, I also show – I'm a creature of habit, so a lot of times uh, kids come in the locker room, they have assigned seats, and mm-hmm. they sit in those assigned seats before practice, and I may show them a TikTok or a quick Twitter video. Inky Johnson is one of those guys that, you know, he'll have a minute, 30-second clip on there that's right down the kid's alley, and I absolutely love Inky Johnson. He's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So I'll do some film, different things that I show that aren't basketball-related, just about life or relationships or motivation or academic. And mm-hmm. So Inky Johnson and Chris Dorsey are my two favorites right now. Yeah, those are definitely two, two guys that are phenomenal uh, out there on Twitter and social media. Coach, you, you touched on this uh, about showing, you know, clips or a TikTok or something like that to your team to show them motivation. But when you break down film with your team, how do you do that? Well, I'm a film guy. I definitely feel like, you know, I got to learn from guys like you that have won a state title that are smarter than me and been around the game longer than me. So I like watching film, even if, if, if it's teams that I can that I don't know or, or teams out of our region. But uh, for us, we have huddle. We have huddle focus, which certainly helps, and it's become a big tool for us. Uh, but I like to watch at least the last five games of whoever we are playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, if it's a sectional opponent, I'll watch every single game that they played. Uh, but for me, you know, I, I try to keep it, I always say this, 20 minutes or less. Because once you get past that 20-minute mark and the lights are out and you're up there talking, they're <laughs> dozing off, thinking about God knows what, trying to get out of there. So yeah. uh, we keep our scouting reports just one page. Um, the back page may only be stat-related, uh, but one page or less. And then I give them 20 minutes or less. And then if I'm showing a game, I may only have five or six clips, and then I move to the next game. Five or six clips, and I move to the next game. So I try to keep it short and succinct. Um, But for me, I may have 30 things clipped, but then I may go back later and just try to find the six best things that I can find from that individual team. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how different the world is today than when I started 15, 20 years ago as a head coach. Huddle has definitely evolved, you know, breaking down film with your team. And the other thing that makes it really nice is with Huddle, they can watch film on their own. You know, you, you can put, you know, together clips for them. They can watch entire games. Um, I always like going in to take a peek every once in a while just to see how much film some of our guys have, have watched. And they probably need to put a little more time into their studies than watching Huddle no, film. Absolutely. But uh, yep. it, it's a neat feature for kids to be able to do that. And I know kids eat that up. Yep. And I try to at the beginning of the season to show them those things. You want to see your shot chart? Do you want to see this? And then I don't think a lot of them understand how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then for me, I like to have eight hours. I'm, I'm just weird. And I also know that every 24 hours it refreshes or whatever. Yeah. But during the season, if I don't have eight hours, I feel like I'm not working hard enough. So mm-hmm. I'll put the kids to bed. It'll be 10 o'clock at night. And I'm trying to get one more game in to get above that eight-hour mark for that. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And we as a coaching staff, we kind of compete with each other. Nobody really talks yep. about it, but we just kind of compete. Um, yep. No, that's a, definitely a neat feature. Coach, also talking about, you know, professional development. Um, who's your favorite college coach to follow? 
Man, that's a great question. Favorite competition? I'm a big Notre Dame fan, so Mike Bray, he came to the clinic last year. He did a great job, and I know he's gone. Uh, Coach Shrewsbury, now Notre Dame guy. Um, actually, Coach Bolden, who is my JV head coach, he played for Shrewsbury when he was in or at IU South Bend. Um, so that's a good one. But uh, for me, I always love to watch a lot of film um, on Jay Wright when he was the coach at Villanova. I think mm-hmm. he's the best of the best. I love listening to him talk because he was there with Mark's Madness. Um, watching our guys playing off of two feet and everything that he was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess those would be a few of guys that uh, I really try to soak in as much as I can. Yeah, you know, Jay Wright, I think, is one of the absolute best all time. And, um, you know, I, I've been watching a lot of stuff with Porter Mosier here recently, and it's interesting how he kind of integrates Jay Wright stuff and his offense uh, with some Rick Majera stuff, and he obviously worked for Coach Majera, so it's neat to see how the game kind of continues to trickle down through the next generation of coaches. Um, you talked about Coach Shrewsbury. I, I went on this big-time recruiting trip to Hanover College, <laughs> and I remember uh, being a high school senior and going to that, that first game at Hanover on a recruiting trip, and uh, the point guard was Micah Shrewsbury. And then that next summer when I had to start going and working out with the team and, and uh, working camps. Coach Shrewsbury was there, and then he came back each and every summer. Just It's been phenomenal to see his success, um, and I think he's going to do an outstanding job at Notre Dame. And it was really fun this last year uh, watching the NCAA tournament and watching Dusty May's success there at Florida Atlantic. He was a guy that we had on the podcast last fall. But, um, but when it comes down to NBA or NCAA, there's a lot of good things with both – both uh, of the games but what what would you rather watch oh NCAA all day because those are the things that I could try to translate into what we do at the high school level um, our guys can't necessarily do the things that Steph Curry or James Harden nor do I want them to be taking those contested twos yeah uh, those are we live in shops so I don't want those contested twos the fadeaways the step backs of uh, all of the things that they can do and I really don't watch it sounds terrible but I don't watch an, uh, an NBA game as a coach I just watch it as a fan because I don't really get anything away from that but mm-hmm. I can watch a college game at any level NAIA D3 D1 March Madness Final Four and ooh that's great ooh we can do this man that's phenomenal so um, I would try to watch that as a coach which you know to be honest like it, it kind of almost takes some of the joy away from the game as, as you're trying to watch for this this and this but it's also the beauty of the game so yeah. you can't turn that off no, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. And I love sitting there watching a game with my boys or just sitting there by myself. And the ability now that we have technology to rewind, like live games. And like, oh, man, I saw that. I want to go back. I, I want to, I'll get my phone out and I'll video. But, yeah, when I watch NBA games with my boys, it's just – it's almost always just as a fan. But I get a lot from mm-hmm. the college game, like you said. Yep, and you know what, Coach, you talked about that rewind. That's why sometimes I would almost rather – I don't. I like to scout to go, you know, is this guy really 6'7", how athletic are they in person? Mm-hmm. But I need my my five-second rewind that we have on huddle for real life, you know, whether you're watching a game or a high school game in CAA. So that's one thing we've been spoiled with, and that's why I feel like I learn more from film than I ever do going to watch a team scout live or even watching something like we just talked about on TV. Coach – we're drawing close on our time here to finish up, and there's one question that I, I, I'm, I love to eat. <laughs> so I always, always bring this up with everybody. But uh, I got two questions for you. If you're taking Jessica out on a night on the town in Green, Greenfield, where are, you, where are you taking her to eat? Grigsby Station. 
right in town, best pork chop, steak. It's the only problem is it's 21 and over. So when we go out, which is not very often with two boys, it's got to be just us. But it is the best place in town. If you are on the east side or you are in Greenfield, you need to definitely check it out. You won't be disappointed. Okay. What's, what's your favorite thing to eat there, Coach? I get pork chop with green beans and diced potatoes. It is fire. All right. They should, and they should pay me for that. We should. We might have great presentation <laughs> on the back of our shooting shoes next year. I'm getting ready to say, you know, we put this out there on the on the podcast, and uh, people hear about it, and uh, they start going there. We need to we need to start getting some kickbacks off of this deal. Yes, I need a free pork chop. Well, you know, one of my favorite things to do is is still to go live scout, and when you live scout. Um, you know, there's always different places along the scout trail to stop and eat. But if somebody is coming to, to Greenfield and they need to get something quick before the game, where's a good spot in town to get something quick before the game? Well, there's an Applebee's right off the interstate, but there's an Applebee's everywhere. We have a new place called the Depot that's just quick. It'll grab a beer with your coaching staff or grab some, you know, wings or whatever. The Depot is a great spot as well. The Depot. All right. Well, Coach, hey, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day um, to be on here with me and the media class. We really appreciate you being on with us. Um, Coach, I always wrap this up, and I, I say, okay, you've got the floor. There's one piece of advice that you can give to young coaches. What would that be? I mean, I just – we talked about already with my journey. You know, I was told no by several different places, whether that be Avon, Western Boone, Arsenal Tech, Decatur Central, Indian Creek, uh, Perry Marie, and that's just off the top of my head of me going there, interviewing, and then always feeling like I made it to the final three, or I, I didn't have experience, so I couldn't get a job, and so uh, just keep working, keep plugging away, and if that's something that you love to do, uh, don't give up, and then when you do get your opportunity, you got to make the most of it, so whether you coach and you're a lifer, or whether you only coach for a few years, uh, when you get an opportunity to be the head coach, um, just make sure that you, you know, Coach Johnson always talks to me about making sure that you're enjoying this because when it's over, you're going to come into a gym one day on a Friday night and it's going to be a big game and you're going to wish that you had that seat again. So mm -hmm. um, however long that you get to do it, just relish it, work your tail off, and love the kids, love your staff, um, and it's something that's really special, specifically here in Indiana. Yeah, Coach, you, you had a lot of really good nuggets right there. That's some great advice for – for any coach, let alone young coaches. Well, Coach, I look forward to seeing you next week up there at the clinic, and uh, I can't thank you enough for being on with us today. Coach, I appreciate you and everything that you do for coaches and bringing us together. Thank you for having me on. It was great. All right, Coach. Chucking it from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com.